Hello. What's happening? You're listening to The Dollop. This is a <laughs> bi-weekly American history podcast. Each week, uh-huh. I read a okay. read. Oh boy, a story <laughs> from American history. Jesus. To my friend Dave Gareth Reynolds, who has no idea what the topic is about. Dave Gareth Reynolds. Dave David, who has Dave, no idea David, what the topic is about. Dave David. We'll be right back. Oh my God! After this message, Dave. God, you want a little hit of dude? I'll do one bottle. <laughs> people say this is funny. Not Gary Garrow. Dave, okay. Someone or something is tickling people. Is it for fun? And this is not going to become the tickling podcast. Okay. You are Queen Fakey of Made Up Town. All hail Queen Shit of Liesville. A bunch of religious virgins go to mingle and do what? Pray. Hi, Gary. No. Nicely done, my friend. No. Hola, Gareth. Hi, Dave. <clears throat> December 26th. Ooh, Boxing Day. 1898. All right. Marie and Pierre Curie announced they had discovered uranium. <laughs> sorry, sorry, radium. I started out, I it already fucked Either up. way, I'm fine. I had to have announced they have discovered radium. We're proud to announce we've discovered radium. Hello. Is this on? <laughs> Is this thing on? Radium is highly radioactive, and the Curie's notebooks are now stored in a lead box. Okay. Of radium. Ra- ra- I mean, just so radium... It's so... It's so... So gives off radioactive, yeah. you know. So it's just like... You've got to keep their fucking notes in a box, because the, the, you'll get you'll get radiation poisoning from holding their notes. Oh, Jesus. It's fucking serious shit, bro. What were they doing over the holidays? <laughs> Those people are shopping. Anyone who wants to consult uh, the uh, with the papers must sign a waiver stating they understand the health risk. What? No, no papers are worth your they life. Get in if there. you're signing a waiver to touch a notebook, it's yeah. not a, it's not worth it. No, get in there. No, don't get in there. All of all of the dollops notes are the same thing. Oh God, just in like you a glowing bin. Si- sign a waiver. <laughs> this new element seemed to possess magical qualities. It glowed in the dark and gave off heat. It left, uh, if left against skin, it would burn and leave a scar. And it stopped Superman. <laughs> it hurt Superman. It was the only thing that hurt Superman. The Curies both had cracked and scarred hands from constantly handling your radi- radium. They really were soulmates. They're just holding this and they're like, Man, this is hot. You really, you really found the one if you guys are going to be like, spend the holidays with radium hand. Yeah. Radium hand. Yep. Uh,. So uh, they also suffered other health problems, which are now recognized as symptoms of radiation poisoning. Sure, somebody had to find out. The first guy in there. The was first just, guy the had the first to, guy sorry, in there. Got to follow not, the sword. First guy. Not going to go well. <laughs> sorry, Curie. Pierre Curie died in a car accident in or a coach accident in 1908. You while, mean he would, like he was like coaching a team and like had a heart attack? He, or something? Di- he died coaching. A, Come on, guys! Remember what? We, oh, uh, oh, boys! Oh, you're worse than radium. <laughs> Marie lived until 1934 when she succumbed to a plastic anemia, most probably due to long-term exposure to radiation. Sure. William Joseph Hammer was a lab assistant to Thomas Edison and assisted in the development of the incandescent light bulb. Okay. In 1902, the Curies gave him a sample of radium. Okay, interesting. Hammer was convinced radium contained curative powers and was one of the first to propose it as a cure 
for cancer. Okay. Well, yeah. Radiation is a cure for cancer. Uh, well, I, the radiation is still. It turns out it was. It turns out it was not. Hammer invented the radium dial. Radium dials are a watch clock or other instrument dials painted with radioluminescent paint containing radium-226, so it glows in the dark. Okay. In 1914, in New York City, Dr. Sabine Arnold von Schakowsky... What, what is Arnold doing in a name like that? I don't know. Arnold! I would have not put him Arnold. Well, and Dr... George S. Willis, much better. Yeah, just consistent. Just, let's keep just it. Just some yeah. consistency. Just relax with the We're names. just asking for some consistency. They founded the Radium Luminous Material Corporation. <laughs> okay. In 1921, the company was renamed the United States Radium Corporation. They first started producing uranium, but quickly moved into the business of producing radioluminescent paint. They opened facilities in Newark and Orange, New Jersey, at the Orange facility, they extracted uranium, processing half a ton of ore a day between 1917 and 1926. And, sorry, we'll keep going. Oh. One ton of uranium ore will yield only about 0.14 grams of uranium, so they had to crank it out. But they, but it, it was just for paint? Like the whole... Yeah, to paint the dials on things. Yeah, So, but it was just because of the color yeah, they were using the, something. Get the okay. glow in the dark. Right, okay. It's just people love glow in the dark. You listen, this much? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Quite a cost. The company's radioluminescent paint was marketed as undark. Uh, what is, yeah, a different It means era. it's not dark. Yeah, undark. Such a big, well, you get way catchier shit. It's terrible. Undark was a mixture of radium and zinc sulfide. The radiation in the radium would cause the sulfide to glow brightly. Demand for Undark was very high during World War I as it was used to paint dials, watches, and aircraft instrument panels used by the military. Okay. I'm, let me, I'm sure the pilots knew exactly what was going on. Yeah. Post-war demand stayed high as Undark was used to paint the dials of watch faces, clocks, light switches, house numbers, flashlights, compasses, motor vehicle instruments, and even the buckles of slippers. Oh, my God. Glowing like feet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can see. Oh, I can finally see the toilet. <laughs> Look at this. 1917 and 1926, the U.S. Radi Radium Corporation hired an all-female workforce to paint watch faces and various instruments with undark. They were known as dial painters and earned around $3.75 a day. Which I is think about... ABC is actually doing Dial Painters, the show, this fall. I love Dial Painters. Dial pa yeah, it's, it's the response show to Pan Am. It, I was about to say Pan Am. You <laughs> fucking said it first. <laughs> Is it the same thing though? They're all. It's just yeah. It's just like a. And, uh, they're all hot. You've yeah. got yeah. You've got you know. You've got your sassy one. You've got your affluent one. You've got your poor one. You've got your southern There's one. Old flow. and you got your newbie. Yeah, exactly. And then you yeah. You got the yeah. old grizzled. Yeah. yeah, the old grizzled vet. It's gonna be great. <laughs> Dial painters, tune in. The average. Uh, so that would be about. They made about sixty nine dollars in today's money. The average wage for women in the nineteen twenties was around seven dollars to thirteen a week. Uh, many. Single young women worked in factories doing piecework, just as the radium girls did. That is, they were paid piece by piece, not in a weekly sum. How crazy is it that the amount they were paid almost 100 years ago is not that different from today? It's not at all. It, I mean, it's, it's, it doesn't, it's not one of those things where you're like, whoa, I can't believe people work for that rate. Right. That sounds yeah, no, like that's, yeah, that's what, what a lot Walmart of people would ideally be paying in this day. Yeah. 
workers uh, at the U.S. Radium Corporation factory would paint about 250 watch faces a day at a penny and a half per face. Wow. Hot money. That's a good job. Hot money. When you're getting paid in pennies. Now, when fa- they're putting halves on pennies, you're in a good spot. You're loving it. Uh, factory management and the owners were aware that there were dangers involved in handling radium. Well, I'm sure the dial painters knew that too, David. The chemists and workers who were involved in the refinement of radium from uranium ore were given every protection. Lead screens, masks, tongs. Meanwhile, the the women employed to apply the radium paint were told that it was perfectly harmless. It's fine for women. (laughs) Your brain won't get too messed up to do the dishes. Don't worry about that, my lady. And worse, in order to keep the delicate brushes at a sharp point... The women were told to run them between their lips. No fucking way. What? Oh, my God. What? Oh, that's so fucked up. Why? What could go wrong? What? I mean, look, I'm not saying it's okay to lie to these women uh-huh. and let them paint with radio, but to... To rub suggest, it on their face? To, yeah, to just get it in the literally in their system. Yeah. That's fucked up. And at night, I guarantee you, the husbands are like... Honey, can you close your mouth? It's just bright as fuck right now. Just can you turn? Can you go? I'm trying to sleep, but if you could just close your mouth. I mean, if you could close your mouth, can we put something over your mouth, maybe? Uh, So the women's would uh, the women would rub the the brush between their lips hundreds of times a day. Oh my god! For a laugh, sometimes they would paint their faces and teeth with Undark to surprise family and friends at night. It's not even funny anymore. What you're suggesting, it's just not like it's just not funny. I mean, I, I, <laughs> huh? they would run it through their lips. Sometimes for a LARF, they'd put it all over their face. Sometimes they'd take shots of it. Uh, <laughs> uh, at this time, there was also a general belief that radium was a health tonic. With beauty, In a good way? With beauty creams being sold containing radium. Wow. There, I, there's also radium butter, butter with radium in it. Ugh. Well... There was a heyday of... It is Monsanto. (laughs) (laughs) I know I'm going like, how could we ever? This was the heyday of radium preparations being marketed to the public as a cure-all for everything from chronic pain, rheumatism, high blood pressure, anemia... Which is actually actually a symptom of radiation. Yeah, poisoning. I was like, a lot of these. So if you had anemia, then you take the thing that gives you any of anemia. these things that are like that it's curing. It would be better to have those, and not be trying to take the cure all. <laughs> uh, it is estimated that between four hundred thousand and five hundred thousand bottles of radium enriched water, marketed as Redithor, were sold to the public between nineteen eighteen and nineteen twenty eight. Good God! So just bottles. Yeah. Of radiation. This isn't a time when we're like, well, we might have to bomb them because they have nukes. We're like, hey, everybody, come to a radium party. You want to drink some? Have some. Redither was also manufactured in East Orange, New Jersey. Some of the advertising taglines were a cure for the living dead. What? Huh? A cure for the living dead. What era is this? Are they, Who? Who? What? This is, is a, a tag? Yep. That's I, a, that's it, an do ad. I get any more information? a cure for the living dead. So people were just comfortable with zombies until this I was think released? so. Okay. And uh, perpetual sunshine. <laughs> okay, just when you thought vagueness had arrived. 
The owner of the company and head of the laboratories was listed as Dr. William J.A. Bailey. He was a dropout from Harvard who was not a medical doctor. Cool. So the doctor part's not good. In 1932, Eben Byers, an American industrialist, died. It is believed he drank over 1,400 bottles of Radithor. What? At his death, he had lost most of his jaw, had abscesses on his brain, and holes forming in his skull. His death was directly attributed to cancer caused by exposure to radium, and he was buried in a lead-lined coffin. I mean, Radithor. He drank that. That did not. That didn't. That was not a cure. He drank so much radium that he needed to be buried in lead. Yeah, that was not a cure for the living dead. No, that did not. (laughs) Jesus. He just and he he was getting worse, and he just kept drinking it, going, "This has got to turn around." At some point, all this radium will perish. Your jaw. Your jaw. Your jaw is falling. So your jaw fell off. Your jaw has fallen off. Your jaw fell off. So you look like an extra in Beetlejuice. Pick your jaw up, please. After his death, the Wall Street Journal ran with the headline, Radium Water Worked Fine Until His Jaw Came Off. <laughs> that was the who, headline. Who is the editor of that, this publication? That was the headline. It doesn't make any... It's like halfway... Th- it's like a f- halfway through they changed the headline. <laughs> and they just kept it all like a stream of consciousness headline. Although this led to the decline of radium being marketed as a health tonic and uh, increase in increase the powers of the FDA... It did not stop the founder of Redithor from peddling his nuclear quack bullshit as he continued to market various radium-related products, such as a radioactive belt clip and a uh, a do-your-own device to make your own Redithor at home. (laughs) Oh, God. What? Now, that's even worse. (laughs) That's even worse. So his solution... To people dying from the water, he was do- radiated water. Separate the process. Was to just give people. Yeah. Just, yeah. To make it so. It's okay. like Nestle Quick for radiation. Yeah. And your base. And then at that point, you're just like, they decided to do it. They did. They wanted I didn't to sell it to them. They put it in their own water and they stirred it. Anyway, where are their jaws? Okay. Radium acts like uh, calcium in the body. It's taken up by the bones and absorbed like calcium is. Uh-huh. It, I, so. There is one key difference between the two. Uh-huh. One's one's really good for your yes. bones. And the other one? Really, really bad for bones. So for many of the women working on the dials, the first sign of problems would be their teeth falling out and broken jaws. Sweet God. What? But because they were uh, ingesting trace amounts of radium each day, it took years for the signs of radiation sickness to become apparent. They had often already moved to other jobs by the time the signs showed up. They probably thought it was the other jobs, too. They're like, there's nothing wrong with this typewriter. I told you the office work is killing me. I miss when I used to be able to paint the water. I said I miss when I used to be able to paint the water. What? I said I miss when I used to... My old job a few years ago, the heyday, the best job I ever had, best job I ever had, well, I used to be getting paid one dial. What? I used to get paid one dial. And now I'm working in an office and look at my jaw. The office didn't make my jaw fuck up. Okay. I used to pay one <laughs> <laughs> uh, When current and former factory workers started to report mysterious illnesses. Oh, God. <laughs> those are, when those are starting, like that phone's starting to ring a little more often than it used to. Like, oh, boy. <laughs> 
There's some woman babbling. I can't understand what you're saying on the phone. <laughs> I told, I told him I told him, but my God, I'm at that. I told people to turn to radium. U.S. radiation invited industrial hygiene experts Cecil and Catherine Drinker and William Castle to visit the factory in the early 1920s. Mm-hmm. Okay. They were faculty members at the Harvard School of Public Health, the HSPH. U.S. radiation assumed that they would f- disprove the damaging effects of undark paint on the factory workers. <laughs> but their jaws fell off. So just to just to sum up, they had in one part of this business, they had uh, their their chemist guys decked out and not uh, touching the shit, using tongs and decked out in lead aprons and shit. And then they thought if they invited some people from Harvard down that they would walk in the other room with the ladies using the result of all that nonsense yeah. and they'd be like, yeah, that's fine. Oh, everything seems fine here. I don't see any problem. No messed up jaws in here right now. Uh, but when the Harvard people observed the women running the brushes between their lips. Oh, God. And learned of them painting their faces, nails, and feet for fun, they were horrified. Oh, God. Sometimes we'll just paint our faces <laughs> to like a genius. Sometimes we'll just put it on our face and we'll drink it. Sometimes. Now, where did you say y'all are from? Scared town. Uh Uh-huh. They wrote a report to the company recommending extensive safety precautions and stated that the the illnesses were a result of exposure. Sure. Yeah. When the company learned that the HSPH intended to publish their report... U.S. radiation threatened to sue, saying it contradicted the findings of their own internal I investigation. I love internal investigation. It's, they're always, it's, they always work out. all we ever have. They're, are like they're, they're fine. Internal investigation. You know what? I Hold on. I will look into if I did anything fucked the up. The NFL, the government, they're always like, well, we are going to uh, really investigate and get to the bottom of this. I'm gonna, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to talk to myself over here in the corner. I'm going to find some stuff out. I had a good long talk with myself and some of my best friends. <laughs> And we got to the bottom of this, and it was not our fault. So we're firing this intern, because fuck him. Okay? Onward and upward. Uh, U.S. radiation then altered the HSPH report to show the company in a more favorable light. Well, that's not a report. And submitted it to the New Jersey Labor Commissioner. Oh, my God. And? And what, they printed it? When the HSPH learned that a doctored version of the report had been submitted... They ignored the threat of a lawsuit and published their original report. See, the most medical thing, the most medical attention throughout this whole thing that the radium side did was they doctored the article. (laughs) Yeah. That's as close to clinical as they got. This led to the New New Jersey Labor Commission ruling that all the recommended safety measures be implemented, which led to the closure of the factory in 1926. And yet the factory workers were unable to sue because for workplace for workplace injury, uh, it, it wasn't established yet. Being right. able to, but you couldn't sue your... Right. It, you couldn't prove it. Was it. A, it was a great time in America when you couldn't sue your boss. Yeah. Really. You just had 90 jawless women behind you. <laughs> and you're like, look, what can I tell you? I don't know what hey. to tell you girls. Hey. Yeah, it was a job. You took the job. Hey. What? So what? All your jaws stopped working. Let me ask you. Let me ask you a question. When I was interviewing you, did you ask me if your face would come off? No. Okay, then what's your what's your problem? You're not done. 
One of the first factory workers to exhibit signs of radium poisoning was Amelia Maggia. She had worked for U.S. Radium for four years. In her last year at the factory, she complained of constant tiredness, aching joints, a bleeding mouth, Ugh. and rapid weight loss. Oh, I don't. I wouldn't. I don't know if you. I don't know if complaining is the right word yeah. for a bleeding mouth. It's just a bleeding mouth. Yeah. I don't think you're complaining. You're not like, oh, my mouth is, oh, darn, my you're mouth like, is bleeding again. Terribly worried about this blood mouth. God. When she visited her dentist to have a tooth removed. Oh, God. He was like, sweet bastard. The bone of her jaw came away in her dentist's hands. No, Dave, 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 what? Dave. You no, okay? you what? can't unhear that. Got the tooth. Oh, my God. Got a little bit more, too. A little extra. Oh. I got all... Oh! This was really impacted. I did not mean to pull that <laughs> Good Lord, was this an impacted tooth. <laughs> it's almost your whole skull. I mean, this is horrible, but at the same time, I am so fucking strong! Did you see what happened there? Just I was so horrified, but then the second that it was comedy time, I got so excited <laughs> that I just ignored what I had just felt. Well, it's become... Your, the dollop is making you callous. Ugh. God, I mean, her dentist was like, well, I did not sign up for this. Her whole jaw had to be removed. Oh, wow. She died uh, in September 1923, (sighs) uh, just before her 25th birthday. Oh, my God. The cause of death recorded on her death certificate was ulcerative stomachitis. No, her jaw fell off. Right. Five years later. Harrison Martland, a medical examiner for Essex County, New Jersey, was investigating the deaths of several women. How does it take so long to know? Well, no one gave a shit. I know, but it's insane. It's literally no tape. one gave a fuck. Plus, this is a time when like kids were working in coal mines. Like yeah. nobody gave a shit. And about women anything. too. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You're like whatever. We'll get a new one. There, you can get a new woman Just, whose face isn't falling off. Oh yes, get a new one. That one only has half of her head. So this medical examiner is investigating the deaths of several women who had worked for U.S. Radium Corporation. He suspected radium poisoning, and he sought the help of toxicologist Alexander Gettler of the New York City Medical Examiner's Office. They had Amelia's body exhumed. In a dark room, Gettler placed her bones on x-ray film and wrapped them in photographic paper. At this point, were like her bones x-raying x-rays? Like she's so radio. Okay. Yeah. Is that what they're oh, just God. putting? Yeah, they're just putting her bones on X-ray film. Okay. And then they did a control sample with bones from a corpse that had not been exposed to radiation. Were there any differences? <laughs> <laughs> the bones were left in a dark room for ten days, and then when they unwrapped the bones, they found a uh, quote constellation of pale spots against a dark background, indicating. Radiation was still present in Magia's bones five years after her death. The it's film's still with the, unsafe to touch her bones. The film with the control bones that not have any radiation. Yeah, she, she's uh, her bones are irradiated. Her bones. She's she's dangerous to touch. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, you can't. I mean, her bones. She's dead. Right. So what she die again? Uh, jaw failure tummy uh, heart, um, heartburn heart bad tummy she had a bad tummy from drinking nuclear waste more and more factory workers started to present symptoms of radiation sickness <clears throat> so the company claimed 
the symptoms were due to syphilis. Interesting, interesting curveball company. <laughs> They've been over fucking. <laughs> hey, a lot of your women in your factory are dying. You, you mean the whores? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that is a real. Yeah, that's a, that, uh, you got to like that move because oh. everyone's like, well, I did not see that coming. I mean, they had a meeting. Yeah. Oh, they yeah. sat down and had a meeting. All right. So we're all signing off syphilis. We're, we're, we're syphilis. Going, we're going with the worst. Huh? The worst thing. All right. What about AIDS? Not here yet. No, no, I've asked you to stop suggesting that for everything. That's from the future. All right. Now, what do we think for lunch? AIDS. I said stop. <laughs> stop with the thing that's not here yet. All right. So they're trying to smear the women. Saying they're whores. Even after being confronted with the findings of the New York Medical Examiner's Office, the president of U.S. Radiation, Clarence Lee, refused to admit liability. Boy, this guy's going down with the ship, huh? kept blaming the ladies. The goddamn women! It's the women! He said they had hired a lot of women who were physically unfit. We hired unfit whores! Crippled. They can't walk these unfit whores! (laughs) That's who we hired! And now, because they had hired these crippled women, the women were using their crippleness against them. They you, were, just, you've heard it a million times from the cripple community. Oh, Christ, they came in without faces. They, they're, they're, they're whores, they're cripples, and now they're blaming me, the only guy who ever cared for them. These whores, we were cripples who fucked too much. <laughs> these whore cripple fuck machines. Unsafe whores. Is it true that they were licking radiation? No, the whores! The whores! Whores lick everything! You couldn't stop them from licking! What am I gonna do? They thought they were penises because they're such just, big they whores! fucking licking whores! Oh, man, they can't walk. They couldn't walk when they came in, the whores. One former employee, Grace Fryer, decided to sue. A specialist from Columbia University, Frederick Flynn, offered to examine her and stated that she was in perfect health. What? Which was odd. Yeah. Later, it turned out that Flynn was not a doctor, but a toxologist on the U.S. radium payroll. Huh, interesting. Fun findings. This was part of a coordinated campaign by U.S. radium to conceal the health impacts of the work on former employees. U.S. radium had connections being a defense contractor with many government contacts. So no one wanted to go near the situation. It took Grace two years to find a lawyer who would agree. (laughs) What did Grace and the situation have in common? Nobody wanted to go near them for their own safety. <laughs> Raymond Barry, a young attorney from Newark, filed a suit in 1927. Four other factory women joined the suit. They were seeking $250,000 in damages. They came to be known as the Radium Girls. <clears throat> they were Grace Fryer, Edna Hussman, Catherine Schaub, and sisters Quinta McDonald and Albina Larice, who were also, also sisters of the late, glowing Amelia Maggia. Wow. <clears throat> Both of Quinta's hips had fractured. Albina was bedridden, one of her legs now four inches shorter than the other. What? Edna Hussman could barely shuffle across her room, and her hair still glowed in the dark years after leaving the factory. Ugh. Grace Fryer worked in a bank with a metal brace from neck to hips to support to support her spine. Oh my god. Catherine Shubb's jaws were starting to break apart. Oh my god. Look at these fucking cripples. Oh god. <clears throat> you fucking syphilitic cripples. Uh, ima- I mean, imagine having to be the guy who's like talking shit on them. <laughs> it was like, well, oh, these greedy 
Sure, they'll pull at your heartstrings, but these greedy, greedy. These greedy whole, oh, that one's hand si- fell off. You saw, her, you saw her hand Jesus fall Christ, off, right, gentlemen? Pick up her fucking hand. Ah, oh, there's moving across the floor like cousin it. Grab the hand. At this point, their situation was getting national media attention. News of their fight reached Marie Curie in Paris. Uh huh. Quote: I would only. I would be only too happy to give any aid that I could, she said. There is absolutely no means of destroying the substance once it enters the human body. She seems to be actually honest. She, she knew because she'd been, you know, yeah. walking around with it in her pocket yeah. for years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Endless delays in hearing the case led to national outrage. Newspapers and public opinion were firmly on the side of the Radium Girls as their clear poor health was provoking sympathy. Yeah. Well, that one doesn't have a face. The public has syphilis. The <laughs> You're all syphilitic whores. Every, everybody in, who likes them is a whore with syphilis. The editor of the New York World newspaper wrote that the ongoing delays were a, quote, damnable travesty of justice. There is no possible excuse for such a delay. The women are dying. If ever a case called for prompt adjudication... It is the case of five crippled women who are fighting for a few miserable dollars to ease their last days on Earth. Jesus. 13 more dial workers had died in the three years since the lawsuit was filed. Jesus. The case finally made it to court uh, April 28th after being held up by endless delays and legal arguments. Also, the statute of limitations had now passed. Oh, good. Perfect. Back then, one could only sue within two years. Two of years? Incurring Dude, an Bill Cosby was like, mm-mm. <laughs> That's my time. There's always room for my dick. Ooh, ooh. Uh, <clears throat> two years. And the right to sue an employer had never been tested. <laughs> so they don't. this is just an era where nothing's tested. Uh, yeah. Uh, they were also unable to prove that the uranium exposure had caused their illnesses. Meanwhile, the women's health deteriorated rapidly. Yeah. Then, in the New York Emmy's office, Gettler proved there was a direct link between exposure to radium and illnesses and deaths being experienced by ex-workers of U.S. radium. The Newark court then ruled that the case should go to trial in June 1928. The next day, U.S. radium offered to settle the case. 10000 cash for each of the five women. Pricks. The equivalent of $137,000 today and a 400-year uh, pension and all medical costs covered for life. Ugh, what a bunch of assholes. Or, yeah, but for life is like, you know, two or three years. What's yeah, the, oh, yeah, right. What's yeah. the tops, yeah, right? Sure. I mean, that one doesn't have eyes yeah. anymore. She has long seen less. By the way, someone grab her. She's been trying to open the, cl- she's been trying to open the window for an hour. <laughs> who, glued, who just glued a doorknob to the wall? <laughs> she's baffled. Help her. Feeling she it. can't hear you anymore, Charles. Grab her. Get her leash. Oh, God, you grabbed her and pulled her arm off. Oh, God, Christ. Oh, put, her, put her down. Put her down. Feeling that they had all proved their point against the powerful corporation, they took the settlement. All five of the radi- radium girls died of their various illnesses throughout the 1930s. Hmm. Through their suffering and fight, the radium girls left a great legacy, the right of individual workers to sue an employer for damages for workplace injury. Wow. Insane that that, that was... That was the thing. Yeah. They had to be fucking dying. Yeah. Well, it's, How yeah. else was it going to happen in America, though? Yeah, I mean, seriously. I, and what's shocking, I'm shocked that it's still okay today. I, I, it's yeah. like going to be It's going to be one of the things that goes away in the next I'm 10 sure years. I'm sure they'll reverse They'll it. find a way to like yeah. be like, well, no, you can't because it'll... With the Roberts Court, for sure. Yeah. 
1949, U.S. Congress passed a bill making all occupational diseases compensable and extending the time a worker could discover illness and make a claim. Uh, their case brought greater scrutiny to conditions in all factories, even though radium paint continued to be used until the 1960s, but workers received proper instruction and safety equipment. So guys, you're not going to want to link the brushes. <laughs> Something we've learned. In 1968, the Center for Human Radiobiology was established to provide medical support and to study the impact of radium on dial painters. No symptoms of radium poisoning were discovered in those workers who benefited from proper industrial training and occupation health and safety measures. What a shit show. So, yeah. Unreal. Jesus. Dial painters. America is so into... <laughs> it's the worst. Just the fucking... I mean, I think it's... We, we are... This is the worst country with it, for sure. I, well, uh, no, there's even... There's worse. I mean, there's worse treatment of, of workers... You but know, the like, but the but the allowing the government allowing the corporations to just fucking and it's run how we always we always are like like it's just like any like smoking like smoke you know what I mean like anything yeah. they're like nah we're gonna bullshit you for fifty years and then when you prove it we'll be like my bad and we'll figure it out then <laughs> but they just go down with the fucking ship they really are just like stick like the the memos that get handed around are stick to the bullshit stick to the bullshit. Find some asshole who's willing to say it over and over again and stick to the bullshit. Okay, so uh, if you want to know the sources uh, for this episode, go to the-dollop-sources.squarespace.com. A lot of sources. That's what we do here on the dollop. Oh, hey there, everybody. It's Gareth, you know, from this uh, this podcast. Uh, listen, I've got some stand-up shows. I'm inviting the Garmy the Gareth Army, to join me for. I will be in Fort Collins, Colorado, August 18th and August 19th. I will be in Minneapolis, Minnesota, August 24th through August 26th at Acme. I will be going to the UK in September. Please join me. I will be in Glasgow, September 13th, London, September 15th, Dublin, September 17th, and September 19th, Manchester, Birmingham, September 20th, Bristol, September 22nd, and Cardiff, September 24th. And then in November, I'll be in Australia. November 10th, almost sold out, I think. I'll be in Melbourne, Australia. Then I will be in Northbridge, Australia on November 15th. Adelaide, November 16th. Canberra, November 17th. Brisbane, November 18th. And then I will be in uh, Sydney on November 24th. Go to GarethReynolds.com for tickets. Garmy, let's get at it after it let's see you there hey there people listening to the dollop uh this is gareth yes the same guy i listen i have a new podcast called we're here to help that i'm doing with my friend jake johnson it's basically a call and advice show where we don't say that we're professionals because we aren't but we try to help people with problems that are important to them you can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts and it is out right now so go listen to we're here to help with Jake and Gareth. We're here to help with Gareth and Jake. I don't remember how we did it, but either way, fun. Half Hour comes out Tuesday, August 22nd, and the episodes will be out every Tuesday and Friday. We're here to help 